And ladies and gentlemen, it's now time for your main event. In this corner, from parts unknown, coming in at a combined weight of 532 pounds, the J-Brone Express. And in this corner, utilizing the free bird rules, your tag team champions of the world. At a combined weight of 832 pounds, the Brothers in Cage. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the Brothers in Kayfabe podcast. I am one of your three aforementioned brothers in Kayfabe, El Gigante, Jake Keel, coming to you live from Studio 316 here in beautiful Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, where the uh, the greatest arena of all time, the Studio 316 Brothers in Kayfabe. Arena is now live with two guys standing in the ring with me in the blue corner. He is Triple J, Jimmy Jackson. What's up, dude? How's it going? I'm coming at you live from studio something or another <laughs> in my the spare room <laughs> of my apartment where I run um, some of my uh, business out of. But uh, all that to be said. Listen, you got to keep. You got to keep kayfabe oh, I gotta there. Keep, oh, my bad. I, my apologies. My apologies. Um, it's my. It's actually my weight room, my workout room, what where I train. Oh, it's where I go. train. Uh, no, yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I'm here. I'm ready to talk some wrestling uh, with the boys, and uh, I. Uh, yeah, I've been watching some things, so I'm, I'm excited to get into it. I'm excited to talk about what we talked about. I- what we were going to talk about today. You know, you're excited to talk about what we've already talked about, but actually talk about it mm-hmm. whenever 100%. we actually talk about it. 100%. All right. Well, uh, in the red corner, wearing his not there t-shirt and uh, looking a little bit less like Ron Swanson, the Mr. Rasslin, that's Rasslin with an R. Landon Bumgarner, what's going on, Landon? R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. What's up, guys? It's been a while. I am a little less hairy. Uh, you know, the last couple of episodes, uh, we talked about my demons, a.k.a. Catalina OS. Uh, my latest demon is <laughs> I bought a really nice beer trimmer. Uh, and it came with like all these different like guards. Uh, so like I get my beard perfect and I don't know what it is. Every time I use these guards, no matter what length I set it to, it always cuts way shorter than what the guard is. I feel that. (laughs) I feel that. So it's like, I'm trying to like stay cleaned up. Uh, cause I've been in quarantine, uh, for way too long. Uh, thankfully we're recording this and this is my last day of isolation and then i'm free but it's like man i need to uh like trim up the beard because i got to take some engagement photos with the fiance is i cut way too short so i just had to take everything down (laughs) i feel you man i feel you well uh, you know and you can find all those great products at manscaped.com where you can use promo code wrestling no i'm just kidding (laughs) Um, i'm just (laughs) 
I wish, dude. I, I wish. wish. Hey, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say, uh We can <laughs> we can hook you up with a discount code. That was not the trimmer uh, I used on my face, but uh I may have joined said family, uh, but that's not what this podcast is about. It was the perfect, you know, like move perfect in for segment. that. Like I wish right? that we were sponsored by Manscaped because I could have just really did that. But uh yeah, dude, it's like we're back. I know. We're back in it. We're back. We got you know, I'm all moved. Jimmy's uh, October of craziness is over. Yeah. Landon um, has tested negative, you know. Multiple times. I'm, hey, I'm, I don't want to say this publicly because I know the second I do. You're going to get I'm it. I'm going to get it. <laughs> but I'm just saying, allegedly, uh, after talking to some medical professionals, it seems I may be immune to getting COVID, period, uh, due to a number of factors, but that's all alleged. I'm probably going to be diagnosed with it later this afternoon. Have Have y'all heard this thing about like if you get it, you can't get it again? Like, is that is is does that, is that something that y'all heard? The, the okay, go ahead, Jimmy. I was just gonna say I've heard multiple things, but that seems. Like, that's not how viruses work, I don't think. Right. So. Right. I don't know where people get that idea. I am definitely not a medical professional, so I cannot, I could not I will say, one or the other. I have heard I uh, a couple of medical professionals this past week uh, that I talked to during my, uh, <clears throat> my extensive testing and uh, appointments this week, and it seems like there's a slight bit of truth to it but it's like within the range of 60 to 90 days mm. it's kind of like your body has a good enough defense but that that's being if you don't have any other medical issues that make you more prone to catching right. it right yeah well you know beyond covid which is controlling all of our lives and mm. really has us in the you know LaBelle Lock of Doom. It really does. Um, it really does. We're all just screaming uncle at this point, like, just ready to go crazy. But, you know, we're not. We're watching wrestling instead. <laughs> so, uh, what, what? I, I know we, we have a couple uh, uh, topics that we really want to talk about, but is there anything y'all want to y'all talk about before we really dive in? Um... I think uh, I think the only thing that I really want to bring up that is something that we have not discussed yet is that I I dove in to some uh, bootleg Terry Funk DVDs and we've we've talked personally about this but not extensively. Yes. <laughs> So I I don't want to I don't want to bog it, it all down, but so far I, I've I've there's a there's a co- I have a collection of about sixteen of these, and uh, I I have I've dug into about to only two of them. One of them was um, all Funk Brother matches, so it's all uh, oh, Terry man. and Dory, or 
Terry and, Terry and Haas, as he was called uh, in in WWF early on. Um, and there's some good I stuff in there. I forgot about that. And then the other one, the other DVD that I uh, I got into was um, it was all Terry Funk versus Jerry Lawler. And let me tell you guys, that is some solid wrestling right there. Because first off, it's wrestling. That Memphis stuff is no joke. Oh yeah. And then one of the matches is uh, the the infamous empty arena match. And again, just so good. I mean, just I, I don't know if I was watching like a broadcast cut of that or like an uncut of that, but like Yeah. It it starts off with like no one's even in the arena except for the, the cameraman and the like announcer guy and he pulls a cigarette out in the arena and starts smoking. <laughs> And he's like, he's like, I don't even know if they're going to show up. I don't even know if this is going to happen. And uh, the cameraman goes, hey, we're going live. And he goes, oh. And then he, like, he puts the cigarette out like on the ground. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, was that supposed to be in there? Um, so that, I mean, that match was really they good. They are boot- bootlegs. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Such a good match. Um, uh, Funk declares himself winner before Lawler even shows up. Lawler shows up. <laughs> Funk starts just cursing at him. I mean, just going for it. And then uh, the match ends basically with uh, Funk trying to stab Jerry Lawler in the eye with some sort of illegal weapon. Solid. And um, uh, Lawler ends up getting the illegal weapon away and stabs Funk in the eye. Um, <laughs> and it, it the, the footage ends with uh, Terry Funk screaming about his eye and how he can't see and how he's bleeding and how he's gonna die basically. Um, so I mean, oh one it, it, yeah, it's like that. Oh, bleed! I can't see. You're just going for it. So that was a uh, that was a lot of uh, of what I um dug into over the past month was some of these these old Terry Funk matches, which I gotta say. I love it. I love it so much. It's so good. That's awesome, dude. Landon, what what have you been digging into? Real quick, this is what uh, makes me wish we had a good enough following to do merchandise. If we could put out like an enamel pin for Christmas of a bloody Terry Funk with a Santa Claus dude. hat on. Come on now. Yeah, and his eye, his eyes, his eyes like just sitting here like, on his cheek. Okay. Um. Let me see. So I haven't watched a whole lot of wrestling wrestling, but I've watched a whole lot of uh, documentaries. Uh, hey, that's still and I, I love it. Uh, one of them we'll talk about uh, later on today as we kind of hit the overall theme of today's episode. But I got to say, uh, <laughs> I, I saw a shoot interview of Paul Bearer uh, oh, on man. YouTube, and he just starts like there's just something enticing about, and I don't know if that's the right word. Uh, there's something magical about Paul Bearer's real voice. He's like, "So, what do you want to know about the Undertaker? Some secrets, huh?" And he just <laughs> he just huh? talks about like 
random stuff. Like, there's no, like, has nothing to do with the questions he's asked. And he's like, here's a little something for you. You know, Wendy, redhead girl, burger restaurant. That's what we used to call Undertaker backstage. I was Pooh Bear. And it's just like, <laughs> that's the stuff. Like, that is what that's makes so me love wholesome. wrestling. That's so wholesome. He's like, I don't. It was somebody, like somebody, I want to say, uh, they brought up a nickname. Like, is it true people call Undertaker, like, Take or Taker backstage? He's like, well, I don't know about that. Uh, but I know they call him Wendy. It's just like <laughs> all that ridiculous stuff. So you mean this was not Paul Barrett? It was Percy it was, Pringle? It was, was Sir Percival Pringle. Uh, and it was like, I want to say it was filmed like in 2006. Yeah, because he's been gone for like almost 10 years now. Pretty close. There was, uh, what was funny was in the videos, like the recommended videos after that, it was a compilation of everything Percy Pringle did in TNA. And it was Whoa. amazing. Like, I think there's like a single appearance in 2003, and then like another in 2004, and then it picks up again and again. And it's funny. Uh, on the WWE Network, there's a brand new documentary all about Paul Bearer. I highly recommend yeah. it. It's so good. Ooh, I gotta watch that. And they reference his weight gain during it. Uh. And yeah. <laughs> what was funny is I watched that a couple of days after watching this TNA compilation, and it's like you see Paul Bear or you see Paul Bear's first appearance, it's about the same size he's known as, and then you see him again later, and it's he legit had to have put on two hundred pounds at least, because it's like whoa, like homie, yeah, homie just up. went from chubby Uso. To Yokozuna, like it's just like, <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. It's like uh, in Willy Wonka, whenever uh, you talk about you talk about Augustus Gloop, yeah, like it's just like, whoop, just like ballooning up, and that's what <laughs> that's what he looked like. So that's what I have watched uh, the last little while. Well, uh, I've been talking to y'all about. Mid South. I've been trying to watch through Mid South, and uh, I just gotta say that that uh, that Swagger Lee man, he is he's a jerk, and I can't stand <laughs> him. But I love that JYD. I love JYD. Well, of course. You know? I mean, gotta love those. I I haven't watched any Mid South in about a couple weeks now. I've been just kind of watching through uh, some stuff that we're gonna talk about later, but. Uh, the most recent thing I watched was uh, Talking Shop of Mania 2. Okay. And I know Landon's oh seen it. God. Jimmy, have you seen it yet? No, I have not. Keep it that way. Um, if you if you really want to watch it, I'll give you my fight login. Can I be honest? But Can I be like, honest? I don't. I don't want to watch it. <laughs> hey, I think I think there the first hey, one man. is worth watching. I don't what, think what the second one. How close? Here's my question. How close to JCW is it? 
Oh, it's, number two is full on JCW. Really See, I can't do that. That's just like, too much. Just I can't saying, do that. Uh, there's a juggalo when you... crawling around in a thong in a dog collar after losing yeah, a match. See, I'm I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. It's okay. He's a good and... 300. Uh... <laughs> it, some of the stuff that they do is really funny. Like they make fun of Raw Underground with roll under shed. <laughs> and it's where they're literally, they have a mat and a shed and it's like all these guys street fighting under the a best shed. Pretty good. The, and the best Teddy, part. And Teddy Long is like the Shane McMahon like of it. The, so, uh, <laughs> the talking shop guys are doing commentary over the whole show. And they're like, and now these are the real fights because you know the other fights we show on the rest of the program are fake. And it's like, <laughs> Oh my god, like that's what Raw Underground was. Killing the business. Yeah. I wonder how I wonder oh. how Jim Cornette feels about Raw Underground. Oh dude. <laughs> I I wanna know what Jim Cornette feels about Roll Underground. I'll say I'll saying, say this. Like, I was really hyped when they first announced Raw Underground. Because at first it was like, is this the rebirth of the Brawl for All? Because it's like you've got some really oh. good guys. Like imagine, like give oh, yeah. me Brock Lesnar and Lashley in a a shoot MMA fight, dude. Stop, that'd be too good. Like you've got that. You've got guys who can actually wrestle, like, uh, like Chad Gable who attempted to go to the Olympics. Like you've got incredible athletes, judo champs, all this stuff, and then it's all these nobodies from NXT and Dolph Ziggler, <laughs> yeah. and it's like, hey. Dolph Ziggler was a collegiate wrestler. Like, Dolph Ziggler is a legit badass. Yeah, but it's like, watching but, that, and it's like, I was like, oh, cool. Maybe, like, they're going to do kind of like some catch and release kind of stuff. And then you watch it, and it's still, like, the super phony, like, okay, like, I'm going to club you once. You're going to sell it for three or four seconds. Right. I'm going to do a really crappy takedown. Uh, and then you're going to, like... Nothing cool. I haven't I haven't been following well, WWE in about three months. I have no idea what's even happening on those programs. The only Dang. the only thing you need to know is that it's still trash. Okay. But Roman is full heel and I'm okay with that. It's been I'm amazing. Okay with that. Basically And his storyline is so, so good. good. Basically he's the head of the Samoan lineage. Uh, and he's doing this whole thing of like getting the Usos to like submit to him. He's like, "Hey, I'm the head of the table. I decided to eat or not." He's the tribal yeah. chief, and so it's like, "Cool. Why have they not been doing this his whole career?" Like, yeah, right. I'm down for that. And isn't he? Uh, isn't Paul Bear or not Paul Bear? Uh, Paul Heyman, his guy now. Yeah, Paul Heyman. Yeah, yeah. And it's like that's great. It's it's literally the only good thing in WWE at this point. There, There is one thing that has me on Raw that I've watched the highlights of, but I don't tune into Raw, and that's uh, Alexa Bliss basically being Sister Abigail right now. Yeah. And I'm, like, really interested where they're going there, but, like, once that shine wears off, I probably will be off the WWE train again. Um... Yeah, let me let me just put it this way, Jimmy. If you want to see 
Rory Fox in a thong within the first 10 minutes of a show watch Talking Shop of Mania 2. I don't want to see that. That's See, there you go. See, you don't have to watch Perfect. it. Perfect. And uh Perfect. <clears throat> like I said, there were some good moments. There's this great cut that they did in Swoggle's match where he's going off the top rope and like you see him literally get to the top rope and then it cuts to him landing on Roy <laughs> and Bob. he oh. <laughs> so Swaggle comes out to the ring on like a kid's razor scooter, and it's just that's good. It's amazing. Okay, can I can I ask? Can I let me change the subject a little bit? Uh, Jake, you watched AEW this week, right? Yeah. Okay, is that his first appearance on AEW? Yes, it is. What the freak was that? <laughs> so, Landon, did you see that? I did, and it's just like that was so weird. <laughs> Well, like, you knew they were going to do something like that with the whole Las Vegas thing. 100%. But to for it to be Swoggle, and then for them to not mention it again for the rest of the show, right? Like, Right. Oh, like, they completely no-sold it. Can I, can I ask you guys something? Yes. Because I was thinking about this uh, after the... Jake, I know you're aware of it. Jimmy, are you aware of the MJF and Jericho segment from a couple of weeks ago where they did a whole show tune steak dinner oh, show? No. Like I'm talking no. like full on like uh Frank Sinatra. Like break out in the song. That's pretty great. Uh and I'll say this. So with that being said, one of the main things I see online uh, is you have like the portion of people who like eat it up and they love it. That solidifies why AEW is their favorite. But then there's the sect of like, well, then why did they make such a big deal about how they were going to be sport based and like we're going to be like as real as you can get in terms of like. You know, like, everything that happens matters. Like, there's consequences for wins and losses. Yeah. But then they're breaking out uh, a segment like that or, like, the Las Vegas thing. I'm, I'm just curious, like, what? because I just genuinely want to know, like, how does that, what's your guys' opinion on, like, loving the entertainment side of that, but it being from a company that claims, like, they're the most, like, realistic sport based does that make sense yeah jake you want to take this one first i don't have a problem with it i like that they try to be more realistic and sports based but we are talking about pro wrestling we have those kind of things in pro wrestling i the singing thing was okay to me it was more of jericho being jericho and like of course, dragging in the top heel MJF into it. But, like, it's a fine line, and I think the problem that most people have is if it was in WWE, it would be crapped on. But because it's it's kind of like that Tokyo Dome joke, yeah. where it's like, oh, if it was in the Tokyo Dome, you would have loved it. And that's my only problem with it is that if it was done in WWE now, obviously WWE WWE doesn't have a guy like Chris Jericho that can just make anything work. Yeah. But like, 
if it was done in WWE, then would the fans have like loved it hypothetically? As much? Let's go. Let's rewind to 2016. Uh, Festival of Friendship, Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho in Vegas. Like, what if they would have done the same song and dance routine? What would the WWE fans have done? I don't know. I mean, I I I personally don't have any problem with it at all. It's it's like I don't know. Part of me is like people online who talk about these types of things. Um, they can they can not always, but they can take this a little too seriously. Um, and it's like it's entertainment. That's what it is. That's what all of it is. That's what sports are. That's what. I mean, right. it's entertainment. It's like some people are entertained by the goofy segments. Some people are entertained by the, you know, athletic, you know, prow- prowess of wrestlers. It just depends on what you're there for. So if you want nothing but matches nonstop, watch something like NXT or New Japan. AEW is there for the most part with nothing but matches. They have some goofy things from now and th- now and then. You know, if you if you right. don't like professional wrestling, watch Raw or SmackDown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no you know it's like, um, but but in all seriousness, it's yeah. like there. That's why there's so many different shows that you can pick from. You know, it, you can watch Impact if you want to watch Impact. Like they've had some decent things happening over there, um, which they always it always seems like they're just right on the tip, like the edge, just right on the tip of the mountain of like going over to greatness. I will um, say. Out yep. of every company that's up and running right now, I think Impact is the best uh, about finding that balance. Yeah. Between like, hey, we have good yeah. matches that mean something, and we have good storylines and entertainment that make you want to watch the match. Yeah. Uh, Jake and I we were talking about this yesterday. It's like Impact. Like I think Impact could be a lot bigger than they are if they can just get the stain of the past off of them because they've got the talent uh they've got great behind the scenes people working with them they're starting to get a better budget but it's just like can they undo all the harm dixie carter did to them they've got my favorite not favorite but one of my you texted me about it this week, Landon. Uh, my my boy Joe Doring, who I met in Japan when he was <laughs> wrestling for All Japan, he he debuted on Impact ten, uh, this week, so that was pretty exciting for me to be like, oh man, I met that guy. That's dope. <laughs> and it's like that's a reason to watch. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. And it's like, also because he looked swole and he beat the crap out of everyone. Yeah. <laughs> The fact that he made—I I had a friend say he made Eric Young look like Dobby. Dude, he really did. It's true. It's really good. It's just yeah, like I mean, you know, I think Impact is doing really good for what they're doing right now. Like, I don't know, they—they they have a good mix between the two sides of the coin, but like. Then they come out with who killed Johnny right. Bravo? Yeah. Like, 
Like, come on, guys. Like, we're better than this. Y'all are better than this. You have some of the best stars. They've got freaking the North. They've got Eric Young. They've got EC3. Ryan Myers. They've got EC3. Like, but yeah, do something. They got Joe Dorney. Moose, Ken Shamrock. Like, it's like the yeah. tools are there. Why not do it? That's what, like, my biggest, because I love the entertainment side of wrestling. And whenever we talk about what we're going to talk about today, uh, it's going to be heavily related to that. Mm-hmm. And it's like there's a way to do over the top where it works so great. And there's a way to do over the top to where it's like, well, the, this is just bad, like Comedy Central TV. Yeah. But I think right. that's a good segue. I think um, I think we're going to take a quick break. And then we're going to get into our topic of the day, which is, can I go ahead and say it? It is. Let's do it. Undertaker's 30th anniversary and our personal love and admiration for the dead man himself. So let's, uh, let's take it. Let's take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back talking about some Taker. What do you boys think? Let's do it. I'm so excited. All right. And we are back after that word from our sponsors. You know, we have many of them on the Brothers and Cafe podcast. There's too many to actually list right now. Um, most of them are our own pocketbooks, but we'll just go ahead and uh, keep on going with the podcast. And uh, Jimmy uh, kind of set us on to our, our next track there. We're going to talk about a uh, 30th anniversary of Taker. I mean, man, this is huge. What a, like, what a what a career. I, I've got a question I want to pose to y'all later about him, but I want to talk about okay. him first. So, yeah, who? Okay, what was the earliest match that one of y'all watched of his? Like what year? As in, like. As in, like, the earliest we've seen him wrestle or, like, the earliest we've personally watched anything of him? Um, both. I meant it as, like, Ooh. what you've personally seen, like, recently. Yeah. But, like, I want to hear your first introduction to Taker because I've got a really weird introduction to Taker that I can bring up. So, go ahead, guys. Landon, you go for it. and I'll go. I'll go after you. Okay, um, I think earliest stuff, um, like I've seen the Survivor Series debut, uh, where Million Dollar Man brings about, um, and I've seen like some stuff from WCW, uh, in Memphis, but my earliest memory of me watching him, I'm trying to think. It might, it wasn't when it aired because it was on DVD, uh, but it's from, I want to say Great American Bash 2004, and I think it's it's just randomly Undertaker versus the Dudleys in a handicap Whoa. match. Uh, wow. With, That's a weird one. <laughs> I think it, it's Paul Bearer and Paul Heyman, I think, and they're both like in these glass dunk takes. And uh, yes, yes. whoever yeah. loses, their manager is buried alive in concrete. And I just remember, like, 
I think I went to my friend's house and he was finishing watching it and I look over and Undertaker just walks up and like pulls the lever yeah. of the truck and kills Paul yeah, Bearer. That's the one where Taker won and he and and Bearer's like, Oh, thank you, Taker. Thank you, Taker. And then he just pulls the switch and kills him. He kills he kills him anyway. Which is perfect. Oh, that's so good. I forgot all about that. So mine is I like as far as like Undertaker himself, I've seen some like I've seen the debut and I've seen uh some of that WCW footage of Texas Ray Mean Mark Calloway or whatever. Um and uh so for me Undertaker was actually the thing that made me want to get into wrestling. Um we, I told the story, you know, early on in the podcast's life, but I wasn't allowed to watch wrestling. Um, but I'd go over to a friend's house. We'd play, like, SmackDown versus Raw. And, uh, you know, we'd all it would always be, like, a Friday night, so we'd always watch Friday Night SmackDown. Well, who was on yeah. SmackDown? Taker. And, um, gosh, this would have been probably in between 05 and 07, like, right in that era. Wow. Um, so I remember, like, I remember the boogeyman coming out, <laughs> like, like, I remember, um, I remember lots of stuff like that. Just, I never was allowed to watch it at home, so I never got into it. Right. But I right. remember always thinking, that Undertaker guy is amazing. He's so cool. And then getting into wrestling, uh, you know, as an adult, um, because now my mom can't tell me what I can and can't watch anymore. Uh, um, same the, brother, the, same, the, the classic, the classic hell in a cell, uh, at King of the ring 98 with mankind. I mean, that's just, Oh, it's, it's got three of my favorite wrestlers in it. It's got undertaker. It's got Mick Foley slash mankind. And it's got an appearance by Terry Funk. So uh, it, you can't be bad. Was, was Funk, chainsaw at that point or was it just funk i can't remember he was he was chainsaw he had to have been chainsaw but he came out as terry after because he was supposed to be mankind's friend talking him out of it well after yeah after mick foley fell off the top of the ring or was pushed off the top of the ring i don't think he was even supposed to go out at all at first um but he was so worried about his friend because they were friend. They yeah. wrestled, you know, before WWF. Um, oh yeah. That he re- he ran out there and like kind of broke kayfabe a little bit, and then I think they played it up to where it was like he's talking, trying to talk him out of it. He's trying to talk him out of it. You know. So but, for uh, me, I I've told y'all before. I I watched wrestling in the Attitude Area era, the Attitude Area. The Attitude Era, and but I don't remember Taker. Like it's just this weird thing where I, you know, I was seven or eight during the peak of the Attitude Era, so I don't remember a lot from that time period. I remember Stone Cold. I remember The Rock. You know, they were cool. DX was cool. Whatever, but I don't really remember a lot of Taker. And then I stopped watching. Whatever. In two thousand and three. My mother got a brand new Ford Expedition and it had 
a TV in the back. It's one of those that has the little flip down TVs with the DVD player. Heck, yes, it does. So, and it came with a subscription to WWE on demand. <laughs> WWE twenty four. Yeah, no, I wish. Um, it, but it had one of those old uh, car antennas that would pick up the TV channels for the for the little DVD player TV thing. Of course, it picked like ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox. But at the time, SmackDown was on UPN. And UPN yeah. was over the air, non cable, like. And so a lot of nights, my parents owned their own business, and a lot of nights was them working at the business us sitting there in the in the in the business or we uh would go out to the car and watch tv or a movie on mom's car tv and one night i was all all alone i think my sister was at like band practice or something so i'm flipping through the channels and SmackDown wasn't even on. It was some special that UPN had on the streak. Because at that point, the streak was like, what, 10, 11 in a row? About, yeah. And so I was watching that. And I was like, who is this? I, the, well, that's Stone Cold. I know Stone Cold because like for some reason they showed Stone Cold and they showed The Rock. And I'm like, the Undertaker? Who's the Undertaker? Like, had no clue. So I just sat there and I was enamored with this documentary. And of course, they had all the talking head interviews where they're like, oh, well, uh, yeah, the, the streak is the greatest thing in sport. And me already being, you know, wisened up to the business at that point, knowing that it's all predetermined, I'm sitting there going, Okay, so why are they making a big deal about this? And then, as I got older, I realized why it was such a big deal. Because, I mean, it's the streak. Like, by pure booking standpoint, like, it was an accident. Like, they didn't mean to do this. And then it took them 21 WrestleManias for it to actually come to an end. But, uh. That's like the earliest I remember of him. The earliest match I've ever seen of him was just the other day I watched um, Taker versus Hogan at Survivor Series 91. Gosh dang it, Jake. Stealing my thunder. Oh, did you watch that? That's the match I was talking about. Oh, my gosh. It's one of my favorites. So, yeah, that's like the earliest. I'll let you talk about it because it's just one of the earliest ones I've seen. Um, my favorite match of his has got to be, it's got to be with him and, um, Shawn Michaels the second time at Mania, just because the matches were phenomenal, but the build to the matches were even better because it was like the desperation of Shawn Michaels having to face the Undertaker, like, he needed it to happen and, you know, figuring his way to earn the match with the undertaker. 
to become whole again and even putting his career on the line. And of course we all know how that went, but you know, that's, that's where that, that's my like introduction to Taker. So who, who wants to talk about what that's they've so actually good. watched about Taker? Well, I'll go. Um, just because I was kind of saving that, that match in my pocket because I feel like it's kind of a, a hot take for it to be one of, one of my favorites. Um, that's a great match. Not that it's a bad match. I just don't. I I never hear anyone talk about it. I mean, I just never hear anyone talk about it really. Yeah. Um. So I, I sent a picture to you boys, but I'll explain to the viewers that um, I, uh, uh, when I found out we were talking about Taker, I went. I need to watch some Undertaker. Well, the best way for me to do that. And the most logical way for me to do that is to pull my PSP, <laughs> my PlayStation Portable, out and go get my uh, Tombstone, The History of the Undertaker UMD and watch some matches. <laughs> I'm so well, close to crying over that. Like, it's so oh, funny. It's, so, it's so great. It's so good. It's so good. Um, shout out. Shout out to Lane and Bob Gardner for keeping the P- my PSP dreams alive, honestly. Dude, I'm just saying the PSP is the most logical and efficient way to watch any form of physical media. For the viewers at home, he's currently holding up a Rob Van Dam special for PSP as well. What what were they called? UHDs? UMDs. UMDs. Yes, the the, the UMD video. Universal Media Disc, I believe. Oh my god. Universal media disc. I apologize. Um. Anyways, the uh, <laughs> so I I was like I'm gonna do this. So I've been I've been working from home for the last week. I've been on quarantine as well. Um. But we are we are COVID free in this household, which is good. Fantastic. Um, but uh, I, I've been working out of, out of this little you know side office room that we have, and um, I thought, well, while I work, I'll. I'll watch some some Undertaker matches on on UMD, and the first match is the WWE Championship match. Um, I guess it would have been the WWF Championship match at the time, but uh, Undertaker versus Hulk Hogan of all people, like you said, Survivor Series '91, um, a year after his debut, he wins the title. But the thing I love about it the most is that he wins it not alone. But with Paul Bearer and with a little help from Ric Flair. What a the time man to himself. Be alive. The man himself. Can you, uh, just, uh, just think about this. You're eight years old. It's 1991. Your parents let you buy a pay per view, Survivor Series. You're watching it with your friends. And you're watching Undertaker, Hulk Hogan, and Ric Flair all in the same ring together. Right. I mean, what is that? What is that? It's just I, too good. So, I love that's that's one of my. Go ahead. I love Heenan during that too. Like, oh yeah, he, Heenan is on commentary going, "All oh, my uh, my monitor stopped working. I didn't see that." Every time Taker or Bearer would cheat during the match, oh yes. man. Which, that's another thing to say. Um, it is so, so weird 
to see Taker work pure heel like that. I mean, yeah. normally, don't don't get me wrong, he's a heel his whole career, but at a certain point, you cheer for the Undertaker because he's the freaking Undertaker. Yeah. But at this point, I mean, I mean, he came out, did this thing, and then Hogan came out, and the crowd went nuts. I mean, they were just freaking out, and to see Undertaker do things that a heel would do, like cheat and that type of thing. I mean, that's just, it really, it's really incredible. It's, it's such a fun match. And so I highly recommend anyone go watch that. I don't know if that's my favorite of all time. Cause like I said, that hell in the cell match obviously is legendary. Um, but it's definitely up there for me just cause when I first got this, uh, UMD, I didn't even know that Undertaker and Hogan wrestled ever. So it's, yeah. it's, it's a fun, it's a fun match. That was, uh, now imagine watching that versus watching Angel Garza, Andrade, Buddy Murphy, and Seth Rollins. Yeah. I, I think I know which way I'd want to go on that one. Now I'll say this, Jimmy, now you need to watch. Undertaker versus Hulk Hogan at Judgment Day 2002. See, didn't also for the WWE title. Actually, it might, it may have just become the WWE title. Uh, it was definitely because I think title. they just changed it. I, I, yeah. I definitely didn't know that they wrestled again. So that makes me even more excited yes. to watch it because this match was great. I'm just saying, there's a choke slam in the match that'll make you really sad. But other than that, it's uh, oh, amazing. No. Um, yeah, there's, there's a moment in this match where, um, they do the classic, you know, Hogan, Hogan gets tombstoned. No one's ever gotten up from this before. He hops right up and Undertaker like freaks out, you know, that type of thing. But, uh, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Did, did you like at the beginning of the match when Hogan takes his bandana off and throws it at Taker and then throws the title at the referee, like. Yeah. Like a heel it's, would. Yeah, dude. It's good stuff. It's it's a fantastic. Not not to fan, make it all about match. Hogan, but you know. Exactly. Yeah, it's got to be all about Hogan. That's kind of his thing. Even when he was the baby face, he was the biggest heel in the company. Like. <laughs> exactly. So um, and and just just so everyone knows, up next. Um, on my viewing pleasure after we get off this uh, podcast is I'm going to be watching the uh, fully loaded match or the, the match from fully loaded 99 first blood against Stone Cold Steve Austin. So, oh, my gosh. It's a, it's a, if anyone has a PSP, try and find this <laughs> this UMD because I'm telling you, you're not going to be disappointed. You will not. It just makes me want to get a PSP. I never had a PSP. I always wanted a Jake, PSP. Jake, so you need to get one. Get it's get so, me a little so itchy over here. I'm just saying. The, I'm just saying. The SmackDown versus Raw games on there, incredible, really good. I have 07, It's just I as think. good as playing the PlayStation. Anyway, man, graphics are a little weird, but well, yeah. Well, the Undertaker. Uh, I'll say this. I think my favorite Undertaker match, uh, it's always been between these two, but I think I have to go uh, Undertaker versus Kurt Angle at No Way Out 2006 (laughs) 
because t- allegedly take or er, Angle's gone on record to say he wanted that year at Mania he wanted Taker uh, for the main event. Kurt Angle was world champ, uh, and for whatever reason, Vince thought they should go in a different direction. They were also in talks about Abyss joining WWE at that time, and it ended up being Undertaker Mark Henry at WrestleMania. Man, a bit, but, that Abyss thing would have been cool. Dude, because Abyss uh, has said the plan was he would have debuted at the Rumble and then challenge Taker the next night. Uh, but this match at No Way Out, it's like, I want to say it's right. It's either right at 30 minutes or right under, but it's a WrestleMania-level match. But it's the psychology of it that makes it amazing to where literally everything Undertaker does, Kurt Angle reverses into oh an ankle gosh. lock. Like, he lifts him up for the last ride. Taker rolls over from behind. Like, he picks him up for the tombstone. Angle grabs his leg. It's just, like, throughout the entire match. And it's like, Undertaker never taps out, right? Right. Like, you can pin him. You can beat him up. You can't make him tap. Yeah, and he won't say Taker I doesn't quit give up. Because he's dead. Yeah. And Undertaker taps out at the very end wow. of the match. And it's just, like... This like it feels like the rest of the pay per view. Uh, I've seen that card so many times. The only thing I remember is I think there's like a cruiserweight, like six pack challenge or something like at the beginning. Uh, but I couldn't tell you anything else that's on that card. Uh, because of how good that match is. So, but also, go ahead. No, Jim. go ahead. I thought you were done with this whole story. Well, I was just gonna say. The other match uh, is Undertaker versus Randy Orton at WrestleMania 21. And it's the legend versus legend killer match. He's going to try and beat the streak. And it was kind of, uh, this is what I alluded to earlier. They just put a documentary about this rivalry (laughs) on the network. It's fantastic. It's incredible. uh, Because they talk about how the Undertaker was looking for someone who he could do like a really long program with. You get a lot of the cool supernatural storytelling from the Undertaker in this rivalry. Uh, it's a good match. Like Randy's like the crappy heel that cheats. Like he gets his dad involved. Like Bob Orton comes out for the first time in 20 years. His arm is still broken, so it's still in the cast. Hits Undertaker with it. It's just like, just a good match. Uh, so I think I think I got to go with the Kurt Angle one, but that would be a close second for me. That's awesome, Jake. What about you, dude? One I watched today, and it was one I'd never seen. I'm fascinated. I don't. I've not seen a whole lot of it, but I'm fascinated by um, the American Badass Taker. Because it's like such a completely different character than what he's portrayed this whole time. So it was funny you brought out No Way Out. I watched No Way Out 2002. And it was just randomly up on the network. And it just popped up for whatever reason. 
and it's him versus The Rock for the title, I believe. I, I, neither of them came out with the title, but I swear the screen said for for the WWE title. No, no, it wasn't because that was whenever Jericho was undisputed champion. He had both belts. Never mind. So I watched that match and it was just like, it's amazing to see him as that character versus the, you know, dead man, regular undertaker, because he even works different. Like everything's so much higher paced. It looks not sloppier, but it looks more real. Whereas like Taker, his matches were always very technical and like very thought out type of matches. And it was just really interesting to watch this match. The, the Rock goes over. Um, it's also The Rock literally right before he's about to leave for Hollywood. And so you got that that version of The Rock, the, the, the veteran Rock at that point. And I, I, I skipped through a lot of that pay-per-view because they were doing the NWO skits throughout all of it because that's whenever Vince brought in the NWO to kill the WWF. And it was just, it, it was really great to see all of them there. But like, it's so, it was just so weird seeing The Rock work that version of Taker because like, in my head, The Rock was already gone at that point. Like, the Rock was already in Hollywood mm. whenever you had biker taker running around. But, you know, it's it's amazing to see him like that because, like, it really shows me that Taker can do anything. Like, he's so in tune with his character that it doesn't matter what you throw at him. He's going to excel at it. I mean... My my favorite matches obviously are the ones that are later in the career whenever I really was getting into uh pro wrestling again. So like like the Shawn Michaels match. It was an amazing match, amazing storytelling leading up to it. Shawn Michaels is literally giving the Undertaker his all and it's just not good enough. And that's the whole story they've been telling for two years was Shawn Michaels is not good enough for The Undertaker. And so that that's probably my favorite is the is is the WrestleMania 26 Shawn versus Taker. But I mean can y'all really think of a bad match Taker ever put on? I mean besides really recently I was about to say the only one I can think of is uh, Crown Jewel right. DX versus Brothers of Destruction or Goldberg. Yeah, but like but it's just but like, that. But that's not. I don't fault Undertaker. That's not on Taker. No, no. He, he shouldn't have been out there. Goldberg yeah, shouldn't be just, out it there. Was bad all around. <laughs> no. It's like if you're hurt, don't wrestle. Right. Like the fact that. In that Saudi match, Triple H Gosh. tears his pack like within the first couple of minutes, 
And it's like the fact that they go another 25 or 30, it's like, no, like rework the finish. Right. And, and Sean has like those guys are veterans, like cover it, change it. Sean hasn't been in the ring for what, four, five, six years at that point. Like, dude, I yeah. mean, it was just, but like, this is where I'm getting with with it and i i want to i want to ask y'all one more question before i fi- answer the ultimate question what yeah what is taker to you like what does he mean to you who is he in your brain when you think taker what do you think i think he is the i think he is the greatest sports entertainer of all time. Okay. Uh, I got to say, <clears throat> I'm going I'm to take what Jimmy said and turn it just a little bit. I think he is the epitome of the sports entertainment side of pro wrestling. Like the what we were talking about earlier with AEW and WWE like the outlandish entertainment that they do. And Undertaker has been perfect at doing stuff that is way outside of the box. Like, it's over the top. Okay, dude, like, we saw you get chopped up in a casket and caught on fire. Like, we saw you buried alive. All these, like, like, you shoot lightning bolts out of your hands. And make stuff catch on fire. You make the ring break. Like, all this stuff. But it's believable when he does it. Right. Like, here's the thing. Like, if Cody Rhodes walks out and uh, he, like, points up and, like, lightning shoots out, I'm not going to buy it. Yeah. Or, like, if Cody Rhodes or anybody, like, if Seth Rollins gets put in a casket and it's caught on fire it's going to be crap whenever he shows up the next week uh, to cut another 30 minute opening segment promo but like when Undertaker is like oh he's going to bury Vince McMahon alive oh the bulldozer just exploded in fire and Kane walked out of it it's like of course like why wouldn't he or like Hey, he's buried alive in the casket, but we open the casket and he's not in there anymore. It's just like, for me, it's like, that's what I want. Where I know there's no way any of this is possible. But I believe it. Even just like, the lights go off and all of a sudden he's in the ring. And then the lights go off and he's he's not there anymore. It's It's like, it's so good. It's perfect. Then when other people do it, it's just nowhere near as good. Hoping it, it, the the uh, it makes me wish. Do you remember whenever he teamed with Roman at Extreme Rules? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was like a streak of Raw being terrible. I mean, like, like dog awful. And all of a sudden, they had an episode that was unbelievably good and incredible. And because that's how WWE operates. Yep. And that episode was in Dallas, Texas. And we had thought about going, 
And I was like, no, I don't want to go. It's just, like, terrible. Let's not do it. And that was maybe the last time I would have ever gotten to see Taker in the ring. Because he was not announced. He just lights out, bell tolled, crowd went wild. And uh, that's one of my biggest wrestling regrets in life, for you, sure. You're talking about moments like that. Do you want to know what one of my favorite Taker moments is? And it's happened within the last, like, three years. Yeah. So... It may have been at Mania. I can't remember. Elias is in the middle of the ring. That's that's that episode of Raw Jimmy's talking about. And he about. goes. No, no, no. That's a different one, Landon. And he, oh, I got all, you. Yeah, all these this people. Was, you're right. You're right. This is after Mania two years ago. I remember. I remember. And all these people have yeah, yeah, inter- you're right, you're right. interrupted Elias throughout this whole segment. And he goes, the next person to interrupt me is a dead man. And then and the lights go out <laughs> uh, and yeah. you just but right before the lights go out you see the look of fear in Elias's eyes and then it comes up and he's right behind him and I'm like I got chills thinking about it so and weird. that goes back to what Landon was saying like if that was Cody Rhodes you'd be like what but it's the Undertaker yeah. Like, and I understand it's it's different. Cody Rhodes doesn't play that character. But like... And it's like the fact that The Undertaker's known as like up until recently, like he's been the guy to never break kayfabe. Right. Like he keeps it, like he's in character literally 100% of the time. And he seems like, like such a on the last ride uh, documentary, <laughs> which if you haven't seen it, you need to. Oh, it's on Blu-ray at Walmart right now. Go pick Is it, it really? up. Why yeah. Tempt me, dog. Because you need it. <laughs> but there's like a thing where he's talking about, OK, now I'm in WWF. You know, I'm supposed to be this undead supernatural thing, but I have to go out in public still. Like I have to get in cars. I have to ride airplanes. What do I do? He's like, so what would the Undertaker wear? Because I can't just wear a ski mask 24-7. And he's like, so I'm going to wear the darkest sunglasses I can get. And I'm going to wear all black clothes everywhere I go. And it fits perfectly. So then when he transitions into the biker, it's like, yeah. Because that's who he's always been. And he's, uh, right. Jake, do you have... Do you have... Or, let me rephrase that. What's Undertaker to you? So he is that he is that character that makes me believe in pro wrestling. Like like you were saying. And and I've said this even before. A- anybody else playing that character wouldn't have worked. It was meant to be... There is an alternate universe, the darkest timeline somewhere, where The Undertaker didn't get that character. He's still mean Mark Callis, and he retired in 1995, and he's working in Houston, Texas somewhere as a, you know, insurance salesman. But he... There literally is nobody else that could have been that character. And... He showed to other people that you can make this insane character work. 
Now it also helped that he's seven foot tall. Yeah. But he took he took a crappy idea because let's face it, they basically gave him the character of being a zombie. Yeah. And he morphed it into next level. Like he deliberately, even in that last ride documentary, he talks about how he changed the way he wrestled because it fit the character. You know, he was fast when he was mean Mark Callis. So now he's slow and deliberate and everything has a mean meaning to it. So like, to me, he is that guy that everyone should strive to be like because, number one, he was the leader in the locker room whenever all these other guys were around that were bigger stars, bigger box office draws than Taker was. He was the leader. He was the most loyal guy in the locker room because he's never wavered in what he wanted to do. He wanted to work for Vince. He knew that he could never go anywhere else. And it's, it's, I watched a video one time that was like, what would have happened if he did jump ship to WCW? And like, thank the Lord he didn't because it looked like the drizzling craps. And so it really just goes on to what I was going to ask y'all, which y'all already answered. And that was, is Taker the greatest, greatest all around performer to ever lace him up? And I'm not talking about in-ring ability. I'm not talking about promos, you know, just one specific thing. I'm talking about every single aspect of being his character. In my opinion, he is the greatest to ever lace up the boots. I mean, I definitely think if you break it out, like you said, in technical ability, promo, blah, 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 he wouldn't be the best in any of those, but all of his performances are greater than the sum of their parts, and I have to agree, like, I think he's, I think he's, I think he's the greatest, I think, um, I think even the greatest would say that he's the greatest, you know, like. There's a reason he's still doing it and no one else is. And there's a reason I think we're seeing it. And I really hope we get to see it at Survivor Series. Uh, There's a reason he's getting the treatment mm-hmm. and the send-off that he is that Austin didn't get, Rock didn't get, Flair didn't get, Hogan didn't get. Uh, like Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair, like they got their little five-minute segment on Raw where they come out and clap. But I think, I really think they're going to go all out for Undertaker. When is Survivor Series? Sunday. It is. Is it this Sunday? Yep. Hmm. And immediately after, there's part two of the Stone Cold podcast with Undertaker on it. And it's a two-album one. So everyone stay up. I think I might know what I'm doing on Sunday. I, dude, there you go. I can listen to Mark Calloway talk for hours because he just seems like 
he seems like that dude that you just want to go get a beer with and, you know, sit down, t- tell stories. And, you know, hey, man, we're all good friends here. He's just a good old Texas boy at the heart. He is. And it's crazy to say that about The Undertaker. <laughs> but, you know. I mean, and it, I thought about it whenever we started t- talking about it earlier today. I was like, nobody ever says The Undertaker whenever they list off their Mount Rushmore. Right. But he deserves to be there. But he's got to be on it's there. Like, and I think you point you kind of pointed it out, Jake, is the fact that when it comes to who's the greatest all time, people either base it completely off of work rate or people base it completely off of drawing power. Right. Uh, but no one ever does like the overall roundness and the longevity. Cause think about it, like if you look at how long Hogan and Stone Cold and Rock and Triple H and Shawn Michaels, guys like that. Like, if you look at top guys and how many were actually at the top, it's not long. No. Uh, like, Cena's one of the longest reigning top guys. But then it's like, Undertaker is still going just as strong. He may not be in the main event, but everything he does is usually, even if it's not the match that goes on last it's usually the main event he's been the top guy for 30 years totally i mean right he may have not he never needed the title it's like that classic bruce pritchard excuse he didn't need the title so exactly he might not have been drawing austin numbers he might not have been drawing cena numbers you know whatever hogan numbers but like Hogan, Austin, and Cena, out of those three, are probably the biggest draws of all time. The only one that comes close to his work rate is is Austin. Character-wise, the only person that comes close to that would probably be... It would probably be Hogan or Cena, because they're both, you know, very consistent on their character. Austin is right up there with them, but nobody was as kiss- consistent on a character basis as The Undertaker. They all could live normal lives. He had the kayfabe 24-7. Yeah. I mean, so, like, I we're legitimately, I think, talking about the number one head on Mount Rushmore and everybody else is fighting for second. Just as an, at an overall standpoint. Yeah, I think overall, you've got to give it to Undertaker. Because, uh, I mean, you just look at all the different eras he's been through. And, like, the legacy of, like, the way he's elevated other talent. And he's made other guys. Uh, that he, like, he's always been really good of he protects his character. Mm-hmm. and his gimmick uh like one of the things like lover or hater one of the things that i hated uh just personally was like one of the raws that brought stone cold back and he takes the stunner for becky lynch and i understand they do it to elevate becky lynch but it's like you're telling me like the dude who ran the attitude era is 
going to be caught with a stunner uh, by someone like Becky Lynch. Yeah. But then you see someone like Undertaker who he lets guys like rookie Brock Lesnar beat him or like he let Maven from Tough Enough eliminate him from the Royal Rumble in a big way. And it's like he does it in ways that make sense and protect him and don't like take away from his character at all. And it's like it's weird whenever they announced the last ride documentary, it was like, oh. Or no, I guess it was the uh the first Stone Cold podcast uh was the first thing that he did. And it's like this is weird. Like he's not using his Undertaker voice. He's like Yeah, man. <laughs> I don't I, I don't drink much anymore, but when I do I do. I got my nine line apparel off. Let's go. I need you to do this. I need to find the video for y'all. Us bringing up Cody Rhodes made me think about this. Cody Rhodes did a shoot uh, like story about Taker. And when Cody went into his first Royal Rumble, you're talking about people putting each other, put him putting people over. He said, everyone talked to me for, you know, a week that like, when you enter the Royal Rumble, come up with your first like minute and a half, because that is your time to shine and come out with something that's going to make you work. He goes, so I laid out this whole deal, deal with a couple guys in the back. He goes, I come out, I do it, and 15 seconds has passed by. And he goes, and I thought this was going to last a minute and a half. And he goes, so I turn around and I just punch the first person that I see. And he goes, and it was Taker. And he goes, in my mind, I'm sitting here going, <laughs> oh, crap. I just messed up. And he goes, and that's when I heard, drop kick me. And he goes, the Undertaker in Madison Square Garden just told me to drop kick him in the middle of the Royal Rumble. <laughs> He's like, I'm freaking out. You know, he was like, 19 20 years old at the time and like that story sticks out in my brain now whenever like we talk about taker putting people over because like yeah he's dusty's kid but this is just some kid who just royally effed up his moment like as far as timing goes and taker's like no no kid we're gonna we're gonna make you make you a star right now and he sure enough, like I saw the clip, he drop kicks him. He does some more moves on him and like taker sells for this kid. And I mean, it was great. It was it was really cool to take hear him I, tell the story and then watch it. I have to imagine that there's a part of Undertaker that secretly is proud of AEW. Oh, I'm sure. Well, I mean who didn't like Dusty and I mean that company's basically ran by Cody. Yeah. So, I mean, I hear a lot of those guys say that they feel like Cody is their kid. So, which makes sense. And all, all competition is good. It's healthy. Yeah. Keeps people on their toes. Well, gentlemen, uh, we are over the. We're we're. We're about an hour 45 in, it looks like. Oh, man, like. we've been on here that long. Uh, uh, yeah, we've got a, a nice chunk. Uh, but I think 
I think in the spirit of Thanksgiving, uh, instead of telling you, you guys to watch The Godly Gooker, I think you need to watch Undertaker. I think you need to watch all the documentaries about yep. him on the network. You need to dig into matches you've never seen before. Survivor Series 91. Uh, Everybody check it. Dude. It's so good. At, absolutely. Uh, if you haven't watched The Last I, Ride, watch The Last Ride because it's amazing. Yes. It's so good. Uh, the Brothers of Destruction documentary uh, that just came out is incredible. Uh, the Paul Bearer one that came out is incredible. Uh, we apologize for the lack of consistency, but that's just the reality of this year mm-hmm. and life. Uh, I know I'm about to have to go back into quarantine a couple weeks uh, for surgery and stuff. Uh but guys, what do you think if we do a Christmas episode? Oh man, I think we and we find the either the best like Santa segments and the best like Christmas themed like street fights and matches yeah. and stuff. I I, I, so I think down. we have to. I think we have to. And we're we're gonna try to pump out a little bit more. Like even if it's just one of us watching a match and doing a watch along. Like we're gonna yeah. put up some content for you guys, but I mean, it 2020's just been nuts, and it, it's, it's been like a year. We none of us have say in our lives anymore in in the weird world of 2020. Right. Like, are we even? Uh, are we? Is the clock even gonna turn into 2021, or is it just gonna go roll over to December 32nd, and it's just gonna? We're keep just on gonna going? see. We're just gonna see. <laughs> Like that's just how I'm I just feel. <laughs> right. Uh, whenever the Doomsday Clock storyline wrapped up, 2020 started. So that's all I'm gonna say. Oh man. So we're in the real Doomsday Clock storyline in our lives. That's that's not okay. <laughs> I didn't even realize that. So it's it's just what it is. Uh, but hey, if it ends up 2021 starts with a gong and the undertaker reveals to be the Lord of darkness. And, and he's responsible for everything in 2020. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. If he's our new overlord, then I guess we just have to, I'm I'm okay with that. Have to believe in Mark Calloway and you know, all that. He's going to make a, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to go there. We're not, we don't get political on this podcast. And, uh, Although, if Taker ran for president, I might have to vote for The Undertaker, just because it's The Undertaker. I'd be so. afraid not to, you know? That's my biggest issue. Dude, if you don't vote, Druids would show up to your house. If you don't house. vote for Taker, you will rest in peace. Basically. Uh, he would just end every speech with his eyes rolled back into his head. Right. Like, this is the greatest thing. It'd be perfect. So well, uh, where can they find us online, boys? Do you want to do? Do you want to do uh, brothers plugs, or you want to do individual plugs well, first? Let's do individual plugs, and then we'll uh, we'll plug the the socials for okay. uh, brothers and kayfabe. So Jimmy, why don't you take it away? Yeah, I know you have um, some new content out. I I actually do. Yes. Um. Uh. As I always mention. My wife and I have a podcast called Date Bit. It's D, the number eight bit. 
we talk about video games and our love for, for video games and uh, and how much we've been playing video games, which for Kaylee has not been that much, but for me has been a ton, uh, except for this <laughs> week, weirdly, where I've been home all week. Um, but yeah, we um, we just talk about the games we've been playing and our relationship with video games and our relationship because of video games. Um, so you can find that at D, the number 8-bit podcast. Uh, yeah. That's all I got. I don't have any personal socials, so can't plug those. What do you got for us, Lando? Uh, all I've got is if you need any kind of audio or video editing, uh, help me make up uh, for loss of money thanks to COVID uh, and stuff like that. Uh, but seriously, if you need any help, reach out to me. I'd love to help anyway. I can. Uh, I have a very public email, landedbumgarner at gmail.com. Uh, so, yeah. And uh, as always, you can find me at The Real Jake Keel on most social media. Um, you can find the Best Movie Ever podcast that is coming back. I know I say it's coming back all the time, but it's coming back for real now. Um, hey, Christmas time. Well, there is some movies that I want to watch for Christmas. Number one, The Santa Claus, the original The Santa, Santa Claus. Oh, my Allen, gosh. Classic. Which is my, which is my favorite Classic. Christmas movie of all time. But I think I want to do a crossover, and I might see if uh, Orlando wants to come back for another um, Christmas movie for the best movie ever because... I want to watch Santa's Sleigh starring oh, so Goldberg, good. the Jewish man playing so playing uh, Santa, who's murderous Santa. Um, so, yeah, well, that that should be coming your way. And I'm going to get with Orlando about that, at least Love borrowing it. his copy of the movie, if uh, if we can get that going. But um, for brothers in kayfabe you can find it at brothers in kayfabe across all social media you can find the very public facebook group at brothers in kayfabe where we have some we have some interaction there we're gonna start bringing up some getting some more steam going there um of course you can find us on all podcasting platforms um spotify itunes samsung um galaxy whatever the android devices use for all of us in Apple land. I have no clue. Um, Podbean, all of that. We're, we're on it. If, if you can listen to podcasts on it, we're on it. So uh, go like, subscribe, review, all of that. Give us a, a Melter five stars. And uh, I think for now, we're going to give you guys some two sweets. What do you think, guys? I love it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Are we going to say it? Two, two, sweet, sweet. rest in peace. Bye, guys. <laughs>